0: You are listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero podcast.
1: Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. Good. Uh, uh, sort of the dog days of
0: August, but it's not even August yet.
1: It's not August. Wait till you see. Wait till you see August. If you think these are bad dog days of August. Um. Uh, it's i bet it's hotter here than it is there uh i bet it is too it's it's a beautiful day here
0: we've had some very hot ones so people shouldn't think i'm reveling in my my
1: climate luxury here but um uh but it's a fine day today yeah. so um for my part this week i have jury duty Not just in the sense of showing up for the jury selection process and doing your best to to worm your way out of actually serving on a jury, but in the sense of showing up for that, answering questions forthrightly and winding up on a jury. I've been listening to testimony for the last four days. Uh, That sounds exciting. Is it a criminal case? You know, it is exciting. It's a civil case, but I I really wanted to deliver a a short lecture here. Folks, do not make sure you don't.
0: Make sure you didn't do anything that gets you
1: disqualified from the jury. I'm not going to, I can't say anything about the case beyond the fact that it's a civil case. Okay. Uh, but I, I will say that the jury selection process made me worry that uh, maybe more people are trying to get out of jury duty than in days of yore. Although for a long time, it's been a common thing to do. And I just want to say you should, you should do it. You should, you should serve on a jury. It, it's both times I've done it. Last one was a criminal case. It's been really interesting and rewarding. I mean, this case isn't over, so you know.
0: People say that everybody, almost everybody who does it, says that. Some some people who wind up like losing,
1: are are annoyed, but uh, are are embittered. Yeah, like I said, we have this hasn't reached its conclusion yet, so the jurors may wind up hating each other. Who knows? But I don't think so. And um, you know, people had told me that nowadays I lasted jury duty in the nineties and they had said that smartphones have ruined the experience because in the jury room, you don't really get to know people. Everybody's just looking at their smartphones. That wasn't, that is not the case here. I mean, people are looking at their smartphones, but we've can't, definitely gotten to know each other. I can't believe they don't make you leave your smartphones at the door. No, that would be a lot. They don't even make you leave them at the door of the courtroom. Okay. Don't, don't,
0: don't do anything that, that might get you in trouble.
1: No, I won't, but I do want to encourage people to uh, serve a jury. It really is a uniquely interesting experience, and, here, and do it.
0: Here in heavily populated Southern California, it was routine as of 20 years ago that high rollers would just throw the summons in the trash, knowing that nothing was going to happen to them. Uh, I have a feeling they may have tightened up a bit since then. It's certainly harder to get out of it once you're in the courtroom. You can't just say, Hey, I'm a lawyer, even if like me, you haven't practiced law ever. And uh and uh get out of it. I mean they're not gonna let you out just for that.
1: Yeah, well I'll, I'll talk yeah. about this more in the parrot room, but um but anyway, on to the on to the uh, as, anyway, a, as a result you've you've kept
0: close watch on the week's events. Well, exactly. You're
1: I don't glue to your smartphone looking at what's happening, right? You you're exactly Wrong, which means your 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 point is well taken. I I know I know a little about what's going on this week. Also, we're starting to tape late because of my jury duty today, so this will be a little shorter, both the public version and the parrot room. Um, but, but yes, but uh, so you missed the exciting,
0: uh, the the Ukraine counteroffensive is reaching a peak there going for the breakthrough toward the ocean that you're talking about. Ironically, the prestigious Institute for the Study of War, which has been hyping Ukraine's success uh, you know, to the press for months and months and months, is now saying too many people are hyping Ukraine's success for, to the press and establishing unrealistic expectations. Mm. Uh, uh, I thought that was funny. Uh, but so we've lowered expectations. They've taken a bit of. We have to have our our ritual uh, uh, mention of Bakhmut. Uh, they are the main offensive seems to be in the south, where they they the, the theory is they've discovered some weaknesses in uh, in the Russian defenses. They're exploiting them. They still have a lot of forces in reserve, obviously not as many as the Russians, uh, and uh, and they're bitching and moaning about how they didn't get our high tech weapons at time.
1: Um, It seems to be the situation. It does seem to be the uh, I I mean, I don't I don't I'm a little fuzzy. I mean, what is what has uh, and I have kind of tried to keep abreast of this, notwithstanding jury duty. But um, so, first of all, yes, there was after weeks of the offensive being somewhere between simmer and low boil, the there they kind of amped it up, committed new forces to it that hadn't been involved. And made some gains um, on the axis that I've talked about a lot uh, with those, that string of villages. Uh, they they have taken a, uh, a place called uh, Staromorska. And according to uh, weeks and weeks ago, when the offensive started and they started in this direction, Uh, the Russians with Attitude guys said the town to watch was one below that that they haven't taken called Staromilivka, and that if they get that far, which they haven't uh, quite yet, then Russia would have to commit reserves, and that was what Ukraine wanted, uh, and so on. Um, And then they would be about down to the actual line of defense. Now, over to the West, the other of the two main axes in the south, in other words, leaving aside Bakhmut, which is strategically a little bit of a sideshow. And that's in the north, right? It's it's to the north of this yeah, uh, the front. Okay. Yeah, the southern front. Okay. Um, the uh, but on the western uh, axis, I think they have reached uh, finally the actual first line of serious defensive uh, entrenchments. Uh, This is south of a town called Orakiv, and they are now right around this place called Roboteen, which is where this this first line of entrenchments apparently is. And I I don't, to me, it still looks a little too blurry to say what's going on there. I've seen scenes of carnage, but I've also heard reports of success in actually, in some sense, breaking through the line, but I, I haven't seen that definitively reported. If you look, if
0: you read Institute for Study of War, they, they, they're all about robotics.
1: Well, that that is where they've actually reached. Yeah, the defensive line of entrenchment. And but they're uh, not. They're not
0: claiming success. They're
1: against They raising. are not. That's funny no. because I I heard a BBC report this morning, and it's the only place I've heard that. Well, that I read it last night. Well, this morning I heard a BBC report saying there was a breakthrough of the actual defensive line there, and attributing that to the Institute for the Study of War. Let's not get into whether the BBC should be using the Institute for Study of War as a source, but um, Um, they are. um, Anyway, uh,
0: there was a before that, there was a um, an article somewhere. I think the Wall Street Journal saying that Ukraine's success puts Biden in a tough position. He was hoping that Ukraine would negotiate from strength. Well, fuck, why can't he say Ukraine, you tried. Now you have to negotiate from a position of weakness. I mean, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Nobody's going to take away Kiev or the vast mass of Ukraine, but you're, you're weaker than you were if you had had a big
1: success. Why is that such a blow to Biden? Yeah, you sent me that piece in the Wall Street Journal, uh, and it was kind of annoying. I mean, first of all, it was... Uh, You know, they chose to quote a guy at the Atlantic Council, which is sometimes referred to as NATO's think tank, um, asserting that, well, Biden, you know, you can't negotiate now uh, if this offensive doesn't work, um, because then you're negotiating from position of weakness. And maybe in some sense, it is politically uh, more difficult to negotiate from position of weakness. But you got to understand, that's probably generally true, which means it's true on both sides. In other words, it's harder for Putin to sell uh, a ceasefire if they've uh, just suffered major defeats compared to if they have just done something impressive. So if you're going to if you're going to say, you know, if you're just going to accept that nobody can negotiate from position of weakness, then it's going to be a long, long, long time and, and I guess this right. is the reason for the cliche that wars end when both sides are exhausted, because short of that, there's always one side that seems to be doing better and it's feeling its oats. I, I would point out that the last time uh, this was really, really uh, emphatically true of the Ukrainian side was in like November, December. They had, had these two successes uh, in Kherson and in Kharkiv. And and uh, what they said, then what we are in a position of strength and, and uh, one guy, Mark Milley, chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, who you think knows a thing or two about this, was saying now is the time to negotiate because the gains aren't going to be so easy from here on in. Uh, the, the intervening period has done nothing but vindicate him. Uh, and I wrote a Washington Post piece saying the same thing somewhat after yeah. he said it. But, but let me just let me just say it like so apparent but you know so but the blob said we we couldn't negotiate then when we were in a position of strength because the recent successes showed we could do more we had the wind at our backs which I said was bullshit and turned out to be bullshit and Russia has on ba- on balance uh, it was Russia that gained ground in the next six months so so,
0: so it seems you were right Bob I'm doing my Michael Barbaro talk.
1: so Bob you're saying you were right. And then uh, the person in the Barbell podcast says, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was right. No, look, it's I, I'm just, i just I'm not an expert, but but I but I know that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is somebody you should probably listen to about military matters before, say, you know, Anthony Blinken or Michael McFall or Ann Applebaum. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it was just kind of uh, and it was I kind have. of there was time logic raised, behind Millie's. I'm raised
0: on the Cuban Missile Crisis, where if we listened to the generals, we would all
1: be dead in a nuclear war. So, so. generals are not always the hawks. They they are they are they are I often understand. careful about advocating military. I understand, but that was or, not the case
0: in that situation, I believe. We should ask Fred Kaplan, he's the expert on the Cuban Missile Crisis.
1: Um, so So there's an Edward Luttwak peace plan. Yeah, I, I heard. I heard him uh, lay that out on a podcast. So now, all
0: peace plans sound good to me. So this was like a, 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 you know, a ceasefire in place, and something else happens. We have various referendums. Various. Places.
1: Yeah. What's your take on him? He used to. I just remember him as a name when, like, when a piece by him would come in in the New Republic, it would be like, oh shit, another piece. Marty wants us to publish another piece by a I always thought he was interesting public- He
0: always, you know, he has speaks with tremendous authority, and he's. Uh, and he, you know, he always has an interesting wrinkle.
1: He is interesting. And I don't uh, think uh, he's just a uh, he garden variety. He may not always variety. be right. He may not always be right, but he's not, I don't think he's a garden variety blob. I don't think he's a garden variety neocon. Uh, uh, but anyway, neocon? yeah, he, he seems to think that I, I, I don't know, maybe, but he seems to think if I've got it right, Putin would agree to with, I think, withdraw from all of non-Crimean Ukraine except Donetsk and Luhansk, and there we would have an internationally supervised referendum, and everyone uh, who, there would be among even displaced people who could show you that they are from Donetsk or Luhansk. I, I can't, I don't know. I, I'm not by that. that, that.
0: You've reminded me. That's what I thought was crazy about it. He had Putin retreating yeah. all the way back to where he was before the invasion, which seems unlikely.
1: And I don't even know how Putin could be so sure that he would win the referenda uh, if it includes all the people who left Donetsk and Luhansk, which is disproportionately probably pro-Ukraine people, not to mention the fact that when he invaded, he converted some pro-Russia people into pro-Ukraine people. So I don't know, I, I'd like to think it could happen. I, I think the most that's realistic to hope for in anything like the near term is a ceasefire. That would be more or less where the lines are, uh, but it would stop the carnage, which is extreme, which is extreme. Um, you know, this guy, Dmitry Alperovitch, who's totally pro-Ukraine, a couple of weeks ago, uh, returned. Well, he returned from there less than two weeks ago, I think, and talked about his impressions. He went on the same trip that Michael Kaufman and these other guys went on. And uh, he just said, uh, and again, he's totally gung-ho, pro-Ukraine. Give them the weapons. And, and he always has been. But he's like, Ukrainians are depressed. And it's, and it's depressing. You walk around Kyiv and see all these people without arms and legs, the train station. Has dozens and dozens of ambulances, just just you know, the waiting for for people, and the people told him, "Oh, this is a good day. That's not many ambulances, you know." And this is, you know, I just don't. I mean, we'll see. Maybe this offensive uh, will succeed. But uh, remember, they had defined success as uh, getting down da- cutting off the land bridge, which would mean getting. Uh, on this one axis, where they seem finally to be to the defensive entrenchments, getting not just to talk mock, which has a which means breaking through a whole nother line of entrenchments, uh, uh, but then getting all the way down to Melitopol, they huh. are a long, long way from that. And well, okay. but
0: obviously we have to give them a chance to do that. And if they, well, to-
1: I mean, I I oh. think it was a mistake to give them a chance. I, I I think Biden should have stepped in and and ended the thing where it was. I mean, I, I said that before this offensive started, and uh, I I think we would have been in a stronger negotiating position because at that point, for all Putin knew, this was going to be a smashing success. He didn't know what was going to happen with the offensive. Uh, and now I think now we'll see. Maybe it'll pivot in the next in the next week or two. Um but remember, they've got to break through more than one of these strong lines of defensive fortification to yeah. come anywhere near their goals. Um, the other big stories of the day of the week
0: are the Hunter Biden plea deal disintegrating. Mm-hmm. And the uh, question mark, is the Ron DeSantis campaign disintegrating? I, I don't think so, but we can talk about that. Uh, uh, th- well, there was a... So we we can talk about either one, either of the ones you want.
1: Both Trump and Hunter had bad days in court, right? Hunter's plea deal fell apart. I mean, let's talk about that because I I want, I I rely on you here. I mean, I was reminded of the Epstein. I mean, I gather the judge is suspicious that this plea agreement built in for him immunity from things unrelated to this. Right. The best explanation Claire's explanation was
0: I'm afraid from Kimberly Strassel of The Wall Street Journal, somebody who I don't normally like, who points out the the Justice Department wants to pretend there's an ongoing investigation because as long as there's an ongoing investigation, they don't have to testify to congress and uh and the ongoing most obvious ongoing investigation is did- did hunter in addition to not paying his taxes and lying on his gun form uh uh, not paying a huge amount of taxes on millions of dollars. Um, uh, did he fail to register as a foreign agent? And they have been going after some of his partners and forcing them to register. But that's not a big charge. I mean, the far the, the foreign agent registration it's it's a it's always brought up as like some horrible thing, but it's a really a penny ante charge. But they were keeping that alive. And and the key thing there and the key thing from Hunter's point of view is. He wants to get out of jail free card. He wants it to be over, over, over. And the big prop big thing about that is he does not then have to have any reason to cooperate with the justice department. They don't have any leverage over him at all. So if they ask him who was the big guy, he can say, fuck you. Okay. This is all about the big guy. There's nothing to do with the, the key point is will Hunter have to tell, say something that incriminates his father down the line, perhaps with a new administration or something. I don't know. Um, and uh so they had reached a deal where they snuck a get out of jail free card in the 15th paragraph of the gun charge. Uh and it's ambiguously worded. And the idea seems to be that they, they didn't sh- make it public. They didn't show it to the judge, which is unbelievable. They didn't show it to the judge until the last minute. She's like going into the courtroom and they say, Oh, here's paragraph 15. <laughs> okay. The judge very smartly. I mean, the judge, the judge, you know, a Trump appointee seems to have been pretty much on the ball. She she pointed out first that you're asking me to supervise whether he has complied with the terms of his probation on the gun charge. And that's not what a judge is supposed to do. That's the prosecutor's job. You're mingling the executive and, you know, judicial branches. That's a no, no. Uh, but then she noticed this. She said this, this, this immunity, this get out of jail free card, does this, this, mean that he cannot be prosecuted in this ongoing investigation you say is going on. And that puts the Justice Department on the spot. They have to say, oh no, it's not that kind of immunity. Uh we, we can still investigate him in the future on those things. And the lawyer says, well, fuck that. Then we're ripping up the document. The whole point is we want to be uh you know immune from future prosecutions. So the the thinking is that they left this ambiguous thing in there, hoping the judge wouldn't notice, hoping they'd slip it past the judge, and it would have provided total immunity because apparently there's a rule that ambiguous wording is is uh, interpreted against the government. Mm-hmm. So the government sort of knew it was going to lose down the road. He was, it was giving immunity, and it was uh, that makes it even more of a sweetheart deal, and they they conspired to. To stop the judge from finding out, so the ju- the government looks awful, uh, Hunter looks awful, the judge looks good, and they have to negotiate. And he's pled non guilty, and obviously they're threatening to take him to trial, but they'll cut some other deal. But it prolongs the agony for Biden. It holds open the possibility that some someplace down the line, Hunter may be asked to testify. You know, did you give any of your money to other Biden family members? Uh, you know, as he seems to claim at some point, he's. You know, paying for expenses that otherwise would be Joe's. Uh, so um it's it's a
1: uh, that seems to be what happened, so this increases the chances that some that barisma, for example, could come back to haunt Biden before the election next year. Well, that always good if you believe the the, no, the I know it increases so- the chances, I'm asking. It always could, but this in well, the fact the that the ch- judge tore this up increases the chances.
0: It increases the chances that it just stays in the news for a while. It's inconceivable to me that they won't have a plea deal by the end of the year that takes it off the front pages. Well, uh, at yeah, least but the my question, but it, if they, if I understand your question, then
1: well, I thought maybe there was some chance that something would emerge from somewhere like the Barisma thing. Uh, you know, which seems to me to be uh, not something we can totally dismiss, right? Uh, well, that, and and I thought there was still a chance that something could emerge from that that would actually lead to a kind of legal action that this plea deal precluded. So that oh. the tearing up the plea deal increases the chances of of another actual indictment. Well, if it was really a legal get legal. out
0: of jail free card? That's a very good point. It could be much more than the failing to register as a foreign agent it could be actually some some sort of corrupt bribery scheme it would be a big deal and yes it doesn't he now at the moment is not protected against that so yes it increases the risk that risk for biden i was thinking that you know of course it never goes away because you have the head of burisma allegedly having biden on tape twice talking about bribery okay or implicitly bribery or things that are consistent with bribery Uh, And so, uh, it could always explode at any minute, but, but yes, it could, uh, Tucker uh, Hunter would not be immune from that. It's just amazing Uh, the amount of money he wasted on, he spent on, uh, prostitutes and sex clubs and then tried to deduct them as a business. Mickey,
1: not everyone considers that a waste, including, it's,
0: it's like the, uh, no value judgment. Yeah. He, he spent it on drugs and prostitutes and the rest he just squandered. Yes. (laughs) Exactly right.
1: Now, what is the meaning uh, of that Freudian slip where you said Tucker instead of Hunter? Has Tucker been saying something about this, that or what? No, What's going
0: on no, in your, no, in your, no. in your, the dark? Just, their names just sound alike.
1: Yeah, that, i believe that That's to, all it is. You. So it could have just as well, uh, yeah.
0: Anyway, the, uh, it, um, anyway, so it is what it is. That's, it's a very bad day for Biden uh, on, the, on the Trump thing. I mean, he's in, indicted by for some more shit. And he seems to have (laughs) had a more elaborate, uh, elaborate uh, cover up than we realized. He wanted to delete some videos that showed him moving boxes. It's still a documents case. It still seems to me the big thing is.
1: Isn't this more uh, directly about like the actual destruction of evidence than anything? I mean, not that it matters politically. It's like, look, you're not going to touch his base. If anything, you're going to energize it. And Nothing else matters, so well,
0: I think they, yeah, they, it's more like the you know, you could obstruct justice to block a jaywalking ticket. Not that that's not what this is, this is much more serious, but right. um,
1: it's it's yeah, it's much more like the cover up is the crime, but um, like the, uh, like what was her name, Rosemary Woods, Nixon, right. you know, her her deleting the, the right. tapes, the right? Nixon
0: tapes, right. The um, uh. There was this, this this new bit of emerging conventional wisdom, which I don't quite believe, is that Biden would now rather run against DeSantis than Trump. It's 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 not it's hard to believe because there's a new poll out today showing DeSantis beating him and him, him beating Trump. So uh, if 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 that's true, if he really thinks he would rather run against DeSantis than Trump, it's a little late because he's been bringing these indictments that have boosted Trump as the nominee. So he made a colossal mistake. If that's true, I don't think it's true. It also, if that's true, it gives Biden, gives DeSantis, the perfect chance to pull the old sandbag. And right now he looks crippled. He can't, you know, he's in trouble. He's cutting back on his campaign staff. He's firing Nate Hockman for posting Nazi images. Uh, he, He can't control his super PAC, which has all the money but it's technically independent. So he can't just walk into the office of his super PAC and say, you're fired and bring in new people. He has to like send a memo to donors, sending a signal to the allegedly loyal super PAC people. It's time for you to quit your job and have somebody new come in. They may mm-hmm. not get that message as efficiently as if you had the power to fire them. So, um, but anyway, he looks weak. And then, so Biden engineers it. So he's the nominee and then he emerges as the strong candidate. He actually is. The classic sandbag, and uh, and beat Biden. That's the scenario.
1: Of course, you're the only commentator in America who does think he's a strong candidate.
0: No, you look. The, 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 there's there's uh, there are others, but there. If, if you look at him in in formal set situations, uh, like uh, the interview with Megyn Kelly he just did, or the mm-hmm. interview with Jake Tapper, and see, hey, if this were a conventional candidate, he'd be really good. I mean, he's not a wit. He's not. Gonna, not going to charm your pants off, but he's running for president, not, you know, not, uh, you know, the, the, the Toastmaster General. So uh, it, he, he does seem to have any what's coming out this week is there are some there's some weirdness about his campaign strategy. OK, I thought he was going to run as a guy who agrees with Trump on most issues, uh, but he will get it done, unlike Trump he's to the right of trump on a couple of issues like abortion where trump is liberal and squishy he is uh anti-abortion mm-hmm. uh uh and uh maybe on uh, sexual transgender things he's to the right of trump but he seems to have had a strategy of a getting to the right of trump and having that be the the central theme of his campaign why why does he have to do that he has tremendous moderate appeal he can he can do both things the the answer in politics is always you should do both.
1: Uh, well, see, I have a theory that I hatched while listening to Bill Sheer and Matt Lewis discuss this. By the way, Matt has a new book out called Filthy Rich Politicians. Sounds good. Um, but they were, and by the way, Matt, of course, a uh, a conservative himself, though certainly not a Trumpist, uh, who, who at one point had, I think, hopes for DeSantis, described him as something like uh, humorless, and mean with an annoying voice, or something. I mean, it's just like the, they both completely dismissed him. But he's gotten rid of the annoying voice in this one Megan Kelly clip. Mm. Now, you I would think that that would take digital technology. I mean, you can't. No, change apparently, you could, apparently you can. You can train yourself to speak lower. Hmm. So, uh, anyway, I developed this theory. They were talking about the weird. Uh, so, this guy you mentioned who got fired, this campaign aide. For doing an online meme that turned out to have some kind of not Nazi imagery that he denies uh having understood. Um, but I gather there has been a certain amount of use on DeSantis's social media, at least up to this point, of uh kind of uh you know, kind of far right memes or kind of um what was the term they used? Oh, four, four or six years ago when this these guys first like peppy the frog what's the term for the constituency that peppy the frog yeah now you know
0: it's, i mean now it's called base but i forget what it's, called. it's something but else was.
1: anyway my theory was that maybe they were trying to take advantage of the fact that different you know increasingly you know different audiences are on different wavelengths and so they send out peppy the frog i don't know if they sent out peppy himself but that kind of shit but it's only going to get to the people who understand it or at least they're the only people who are going to notice it and it's mainly only going to get to them you can't Whereas, get away like, with that these days well can't you i mean there's a guy no, he has. Like, every Moines, time he does it
0: every time he does it it's immediately posted on the liberal media seat the status is a fascist you can't do that and i'm going to contradict what i said before which is uh, you know he usually you go for both groups the moderates and the right wingers but mm-hmm. he seems to uh, be focusing on also getting in Apparently, this is this guy is Nate Hockman. Okay, he's right. He's a very bright guy. We'll hear from him again. He's smart. He has a lot of energy. He was a rising star at the National Review. I actually recommended him for a job now. My credibility is totally shot. And uh, uh, but he he has a project, which is to, to take the alienated far right men who are becoming Nazis and woo them back to sanity. So if you can get them to endorse a at least half establishment governor like DeSantis, that's moving him in the right direction. OK, mm-hmm. but why would DeSantis want to reach these crazy people? I mean, they're not that many of them. They're influencers. They have a large online following. But in terms of the voters, they're just not that big. Ignore them. Mm-hmm. Yet, yet he seems to have had a strategy for reaching out to them. Uh, and I don't understand why. Steve Bannon has the same strategy. OK, he's always keeping this group of people on his side and turned up. And uh, there must be either either they're both crazy uh, mm-hmm. Or they has there's some secret poll showing that these people are the key to victory that I haven't seen, but it, it, that that's the part I mean about DeSantis' strategy being crazy. Why appeal to these people at all? Why have anybody doing memes unless it was a personal project of Hockman d- doing memes to appeal to them and get them that their influencers tweeting for DeSantis? Who cares? That's not where you're going to win the election. You're going to win the election by getting most of the conservatives, some of the ex-Trumpers. And then in the general, getting a lot of the moderates. Uh, and these people are not going to be important. And well, that's, that's what I think it's is coming out that DeSantis' campaign strategy was crazy from the start. That's
1: what I Well, said. that was Bill, Bill Scherer wrote a piece in April saying uh, he just shouldn't run. And Bill has been saying that he had the wrong strategy all along. I forget what Bill's version well, of the right was. But well, they may be
0: right. I mean, their podcast has a bigger audience than ours, I believe. I don't no? think so,
1: but. Okay. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's in but, matt's book uh maybe it is people should buy his book um so uh I, let me i was actually i actually have a news quiz for you that i was going to lead with but, and, oh yeah and it, it takes us a little so uh i'm gonna give you two countries name the big news story involving each okay nigeria coup Ooh, you fell for it the second country is niger oh niger i'm sorry yeah. So you're 0 for 1. Uh, and and in a way, you're uh, 0 for 2. In a way, you're 0 for 2 because the Biden administration, as we tape, has not yet been willing to call this a coup. And this is an interesting fact. Do you know why they're not willing to call the it a The knee thing? Yeah. God, you just made a fool of me, Bob. Uh, thank you. I wish we had led with it. Damn, that jury duty. Uh, this would yeah. have been a better opening. Luckily, but- it's buried.
0: It's buried in paragraph 15 of our podcast. Yeah. No, we don't get to this point.
1: But uh I, I, the Nigeria thing, by the way, is that their uh, women's soccer team upset Australia in the World Cup, which apparently is a big deal. Uh, the uh, but, but as far as the coup thing, it's the same reason that Barack Obama and Secretary of State John Kerry never acknowledged that the Egyptian coup was a coup, which was just as coupish as it gets, as is this thing. When a bunch of guys from the army come in and point a gun at the elected president and say, you know, come with us. You're being replaced by a general. <laughs> That's a coup, and it happened in Egypt. Happened here, but there is there is a law that Congress passed at some point that says if there's a coup, then you have to with we have to withhold certain kinds of support. I think military support, whatever, and that has led uh, to, apparently it's going to lead to a series of presidents denying the coups, or coups well, are coups because they we willing, have a
0: we have a base there. We can't afford to deny the military, right? But
1: this leads to. Uh, Niger. Oh, that, oh! That was the next part. Of, that was my, the next part of my quiz. What did what did what does the Niger coup have to do with events in Saint Petersburg, Russia, this week?
0: Well, the Russians are supposedly behind it
1: in some fashion. Not the they, answer they, guy, I was looking for. The guy,
0: for him, the but, guy who was the guy who who was cooed out was supposedly we pro Western, and the generals who replaced him have some some weird tie to Russia. I don't know what. I don't know why we should care, but.
1: Uh-oh. Well, the connection, uh, there is a concern on our part that now they are going to move in uh, in Russia's favor. And by the way, uh, if they do that, then I'm sure we'll be more than willing to call it a coup. But so long as there's any hope of steering the new government in our direction and letting us keep our drone bases there and our thousand troops there and the French troops there and everything else, uh, we're going to not call it uh, a what coup, are our, I'm sure. What are our troops doing
0: there? Are they fighting the Islamist insurgencies that all grew up in the wake of our failed Libyan—not failed, well, it was failed—in the wake of our Gaddafi, our our stupid. Uh, they, they are our stupid action against Gaddafi that released tons of arms into the uh, the the belt just south of Libya and fueled every anti-Islamic group, every Islamic group, so that all those countries got put into turmoil. In addition to Libya.
1: Uh, in a word, yes, that's one, th- one thing they are, they say they're, there doing is fighting, uh, these Islamists, but they, those two drone bases also have a wider area of coverage. Uh, I mean, we're not like famous, I guess, for respecting the airspace of African countries. So they kind of, I think go where they want, they go well beyond Niger and keep like an today. eye on, Yeah they go to
0: Ukraine is the basic thing?
1: Well, no, it's they basic. don't go that far. But okay. to get back to St. Petersburg, what happened there is that Prigozhin popped up in Russia after supposedly finally being confined to Belarus for a little while for a photo op. Back in St. Petersburg, the big event was an assemblage of African leaders. There were leaders of, I think, 17 African nations. And of course, we see Niger as this struggle with Russia For influence in africa and i just want to say this is so eerily reminiscent of the cold war in both cases in both cases we say that the struggle is about freedom in both cases it's a lie and one way you can tell is that we're more than willing to prop up an authoritarian government as we will be willing to do in niger if the authoritarian government is willing to be propped up was this
0: guy this guy who was was deposed was not a was he an authoritarian? I mean, they're all a bit. No, he was
1: democratically elected. And my point elected. is, yeah. my point is, we will if the if the new government says we'll let you keep your bases and we'll 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 right. resist oh, Russia sure. along with you, we will be more than willing to prop them up. Well, I would too. Well, would you? I mean, look, you know, in in the in the case of the Cold War, I would encourage everyone to read Stephen Kinsner's book, Kinsler's book, the 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 Brothers about uh, Allen and John Foster Dulles. You know, one was head of the CIA in the 50s, one was secretary of state and their global struggle with the Russians. I mean, what a fucking waste of lives. And in this case, it's kind of worse. Let me just make one point. Like, I I, I think in general, so much of this chess game with with the Soviets was pointless because in the long run, the question is like, whose economy is going to collapse? And in the long run, the inevitable answer was theirs, you know, and that's what happened. But the uh, and in fact, as somebody argued in in uh, the New Republic when I was uh, acting editor, as John Mueller, we would have actually. He said, "Let them acquire assets because they're they're operating at a loss in every country they support, and they and they can't. You know, partly because they're propping up uh, an inefficient economic system, and uh, in any event, uh, if anything." Uh, the many their many global properties hastened their demise by costing them money. But let me just say, there, there's one additional flourish here that wasn't so true, the Cold War. Um, okay, so we say there's this Islamist threat, and we say it's a, it's a threat to American national security. Well, is it really? And if so, why? I would say one reason, if it is at all, is because we are on the side of the government that's killing them. That makes us the enemy. There's an argument for for, for saying to Russia, be my guest. Define yourself of, uh, as the enemy of Islamists all across Africa. And maybe that's not a decisive you're, consideration, but it is it is a downside to propping up these governments. You're saying the Russians
0: destroy the economies of the governments they're involved in? Or well, we I'm,
1: saying, I'm saying most of these economies, uh, in part because many of them were more or less communists, they tended not to be market economies. Right. So Russia tended to subsidize them, it subsidized okay. Cuba. This okay. cost, this drained Russia's financial resources. Okay. Ultimately, right. what ended the Cold War was the economic collapse of Russia. Right. The system See, wasn't working. I don't
0: understand why. I I I, I, I don't buy that. I think the chess game is ridiculous. Who cares if Russia controls Niger? They're welcome to it. Who cares if they fight our anti-Islamic battles for us? That's great. Let them do that. Uh, who cares if they're involved in Syria i don't i don't think uh, israel does but that's israel's problem uh, and you know the fact that they shot down one of our drones and we're going to have a, we're near to having a war with them in syria that's insane we shouldn't be there no, it's just uh, but um but i don't but if we have a country that has a base of ours as niger does and there's an authoritarian government that's going to protect it we have to suck up to them a bit Assuming the base is
1: worth having, well, maybe it's not. Two things. I mean, first of all, on Syria, like I agree, and and look, you will know that there is some hope for the future of American foreign policy if the following happens, which it never will. That that there will be coverage of this, uh, of you know these dustups in Syria where a Russian pilot flies close to one of our drones and harasses a drone in Syrian airspace, and in a major U.S. periodical. They note that Russia is there with Syria's permission. We are not. Our drone is violating international law. Russia's plane is not. It's harassing our drone with the support of the Syrian government. It's Syrian airspace. We're violating international law. The day that the New York Times includes that information in a story is the day there's hope for foreign policy. Well, I'm sure
0: sure David Sanger includes that all the time.
1: All the time all the time we're joking it's folks, weird
0: but it's weird this 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 important article you you published when you were editor of the new republic doesn't seem to have been enough to get you a mention in marty Peretz's index of his autobiography are,
1: are you in marty's index
0: uh i'll reveal that answer in the parrot room
1: oh i'll bet it's a yes you're being humble no it's not a yes <laughs> That's
0: sad. Ne- neither of us are in the index of Marty Paris's book. It may just be a bad index.
1: Indexing error. Ind- I smell a- an indexing error. May
0: just be a bad index. One of our readers found a long paragraph of like a bunch of names that. Yeah. I think I mentioned it. I don't know about you, but I think I mentioned it. Uh, so uh, and 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 there's one photo where you can see like this much of my forehead. Huh. So
1: that's important. I it's knew a, I should have mentioned Marty in my Buddhism book so, so, an, so that he'd reciprocate, but it just didn't happen. Uh, um, so so anyway, wait, wait, um, wait, I just want to yeah. emphasize on the like you said, if the Russians will fight the Islamist force again, to the extent that we need to fight them, it may be just because we're there fighting them. In other words, if Russia steps in and fights them, they'll be, they won't be fighting them for us anymore because the Islamists won't be pissed off at us anymore. Russia will then be the enemy.
0: Right, I got that point.
1: Okay, uh, but you know, again, if you ever see that in the New York Times, you know, text me. That'll make uh, my day.
0: Um, uh, they'll, uh, that's better than a, better than a mention in Marty Peretz's index.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I would have. I would have loved. I I, I would have been deeply, secretly gratified if Marty had uh, you know thought to mention my seven month tenure. You were editor of the magazine.
0: fucking magazine. Of course, you should be in his index. Act but anyway. I actually admire the fact that he wrote the autobiography. He wanted to write and defied all conventional rules of what it should include. That um, <laughs> one so, of those that it should include you and me. Well, that it, you know it, it, that it's comprehensive. That it like goes through his life. No, you
1: know, I I, chapter I think chapter by chapter. No, I I, I think there's uh, probably said, two right, things. There's him settling scores. I you know I don't think Marty's actually a huge name dropper, so maybe we shouldn't be so offended. Uh, Maybe it wasn't a judgment that our you, names aren't worth dropping. I have I
0: have looked at the photos, Bob, <laughs> and I'm not sure you you'll want to stick with that comment
1: today. Anyway, we go ahead.
0: Yeah, you're right.
1: Okay, it's, so there's anyway, one there's, with, there's one of
0: him with Warren Beatty. Huh.
1: Uh. Anyway, settling scores, dropping names. Apparently, you and I, you and I, didn't rate the name dropping. I was closer to you, probably. Uh, he's not a big name drop, I should say, but they're, they're, uh, he's this, not a huge the,
0: one. The photos are 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 name dropping, but go ahead. So uh, photos might be.
1: Well, I was probably closer to you than than getting in on grounds of score settling. He he was uh, not happy with my views on Israel, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is something we should talk about in the parrot room. You know, the uh, alarm just went off. Okay, well we're we're gonna like just keep going here. Yeah, we're doing we're going this the room. We're doing this new thing where we're just gonna keep taping and say, okay, we're going to the. We used to and we may return to this i don't know but but this thing we're doing partly because of the jury duty we may stick with uh, which is tape a continuous thing signal when we're going to the parrot room um it, you know it doesn't make that much difference to the uh, to the actual end user yeah well, oh, the point is you see the public version in oh, on oh, youtube and the regular podcast well, feed and yeah but well, what what do i have to do now you have to nothing uh what, what we're about to i mean we can talk about what we're going to talk about in the parrot room. i don't
0: i don't have to shut down the quick time i don't have to do that
1: no no quite the opposite oh. we're just going Everything. to keep going
0: oh, okay it's but, like but a first Newton's
1: we show. should first we're still in the public part so um are the things you're going to so it's patreon.com parrot room um i do want to say a thing or two about um israel uh i want to uh extend my remarks about Tony Bennett I found that uh his recovery from uh his his brush with serious drug abuse was a much more dramatic story than I knew last week when I quoted the line that he said saved him which is you're sinning against your talent it's actually much more dramatic although it does involve that line then Randy Meisner of the Eagles died you heard that right well Sinead O'Connor died Sinead O'Connor died so that's uh, three uh, musicians.
0: Um, um, there's uh, I'm just reading in order here, not necessarily uh, in mm-hmm. order of importance. We're in the sort of Queen for a Day uh, segment of the Republican nomination. So uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is surging. Why is he surging? I don't know. Uh, we can talk about that. Uh, yeah. It it, um, it
1: was it was his
0: all in appearance. And there's, there is a David Sachs, uh, I didn't realize he was in all, all in. Yeah, yeah. Because there's all a here. David Sachs theory that I'm nurturing with not much evidence, but a little evidence. There's a, a whole a Lably controversy because this, they, they, they discovered a Slack channel where the scientists who wrote an article pissing on the Lably theory confessed some doubts as to whether it, it, it wasn't true or not. And Nate Silver is all over the case. Uh, bashing them right and left. Uh, there's an important question about the border and and the numbers and the sur the the surge that people like me pro- projected. I mean, the numbers are as bad as they ever were. There, you know, despite what Biden says, mm-hmm. he's just letting in people le- allegedly legally, but not really. Uh, so he's letting the same number of people. But people like me predicted. Uh, that if he keeps letting him in, there'll be an even bigger surge.
1: Okay. Uh, Don't leave it in the locker room.
0: Okay. And why hasn't that happened? Uh, There's the end of DEI and ESG. Uh, There's, I have a crazy theory about Twitter.
1: X. Uh, X, And FX. Yeah, right. Well, uh, no, I think we should insist that no one ever call it X. I'm sticking with Twitter till the day I die. I'm going to call it Twitter. There we go. and uh,
0: there's a, plenty. Remember, there's,
1: this is a slightly abbreviated edition, okay. although I don't want to stop you. What else? No, no, they're. Um, and so I may they're, get they're, back to you. They're, they're, to
0: they're, up they're up the four four companies in AI have started, have formed oh, yeah. a sort of council to regulate themselves, not including some other people. And I want to get your opinion on whether that's a good thing or a bad thing.
1: Happy to, don't, happy to respond. Don't leave it in the locker room. Don't leave in the long room. Okay. So patreon.com slash parrot room. Uh, we encourage people to smash the like button. Uh and what else? So don't spend, don't spend all your money on prostitutes and sex clubs. Give some to us. Now Mickey. Um, you mean give give the money to us, right? Right. Don't give the prostitutes in sex clubs. You mean you mean yeah. you mean. The the money. Love. We'll take the yeah. love. No, the money, we, we would make better use of money than that. Uh, yeah, that's what we should. Yeah, Hunter should have just subscribed to the Parrot Room instead of spending his money on. He would have like gotten
0: that. a get out of jail free card for me.
1: Yep. Yeah, I want to. Uh, speaking of which, j- just the uh, maybe revisit the Epstein plea deal and see if there are interesting parallels to that case. But uh, okay, so thanks, folks, and now we are headed into the Parrot Room.